98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Barry O'Rourke. The headlines. Seven members of the University of Hong Kong's legislative body urge HKU's governing council to withdraw a campus ban on students who attended a controversial meeting. The Foreign Ministry accuses Washington of trying to stigmatise the mainland after it announces a safe haven policy for Hong Kong people. And the Chief Secretary vows to leave no stone unturned to weed out any loyalist imposters as a panel he chairs vets potential candidates for upcoming polls. Seven members of the University of Hong Kong's legislative body have called on the institution's governing council to withdraw its decision banning all students who attended a controversial meeting from entering the campus. Joanne Wong has more. In an open letter, the court members accused the council of going too far, saying the university's disciplinary committee should handle cases involving legal convictions, and stressing that no one had yet been charged. They added that the banned students hadn't breached any disciplinary rules set out in the University of Hong Kong ordinance. A student union meeting last month triggered a backlash in a national security probe after it passed a now-withdrawn motion expressing sadness over for the death of a man who knifed a police officer before killing himself. The Foreign Ministry Office in Hong Kong has condemned Washington's announcement that it will offer what it called a safe haven for Hong Kongers on American soil. The United States said the move was a response to Beijing's continuing assault on Hong Kong's autonomy, including the enactment of the national security law. But a foreign ministry spokesman called it hypocritical and accused Washington of trying to smear the SAR and stigmatise the mainland. The spokesman said Hong Kongers had become more confident in the one country, two systems principle since the imposition of the security law. Chief Secretary John Lee has vowed to spare no effort to weed out any loyalist imposters as he, a panel he chairs vets potential candidates for the upcoming election committee polls. Nominations open today and the election committee is tasked with selecting the chief executive and 40 legislators. In an interview with the pro-government newspaper Sing Tao Daily, Mr Lee said the Candidate Eligibility Review Committee will examine a range of issues, including comments by candidates and any articles they'd written. But Mr Lee stressed that people won't be rejected just because they've criticised the government, unless they've done something to endanger national security. Meanwhile, Calvin Kwok from the fin- financial sector says he doesn't have the list for his sector yet, but he's looking for a chief executive and lawmakers who can solve the city's deep-seated conflicts and increase Hong Kong's competitiveness. For example, uh, from the financial industry point of view, I think the integration with the mainland economy would be the most important. Maybe to implement some policy to improve the renminbi internationalization. The government has partially eased home quarantine restrictions for fully vaccinated people arriving from the mainland and Macau after the government suspended its return to HK quarantine-free scheme earlier this week due to rising COVID cases in both places. Those arriving from Guangdong, though, still do not need to go into quarantine. Vicky Wong has more. Fully vaccinated arrivals will now only have to do seven days of home quarantine, self-monitor for a further seven and take six COVID tests. On Wednesday, the government suspended the return to HK scheme for Hong Kong residents returning from the mainland, imposing a 14-day home quarantine period. A day earlier, the government had suspended the same scheme with Macau due to an outbreak there of the highly infectious Delta variant. 
The government also said fully vaccinated arrivals from Taiwan would only need to stay in designated quarantine hotels for 14 days, compared to 21 days for those who aren't fully inoculated. They also have to self-monitor for a further seven days and take the six tests. Meanwhile, the government says Hong Kong has reached a 50% inoculation rate for the first COVID jab, while 38% have had both shots. Police say they've arrested a 30-year-old man last night on suspicion of murder after a body was found in a park in Tun Mun. Wong Yin Ting has more. A passerby who was walking through a playground on Hoichu Road found the body of the 70-year-old man with multiple stab wounds at about 9 o'clock last night. Police said they found the 30-year-old man about 100 meters from the body. They said they drew their guns when he tried to escape. They said he was carrying two knives and an axe, all blood-stained. Police say they believe that the two men, both Tun Moon residents, did not know each other. The investigation continues. In Greece, firefighters are battling to try to contain wildfires across the country. In a televised address, the Prime Minister said the worst was yet to come and that while there would be time for criticism and self-criticism of the government's handling of the crisis, right now citizens must remain united. Here's the BBC's Mark Lobel. North of Athens, temperatures are over 40 degrees centigrade. The Prime Minister says there's a menacing time ahead. And that's because fires that were dying out have had a new lease of life breathed into them by westerly winds, and they're very concerned about that. And if you go to the east, 100 kilometres east of Athens, to Ethia, the second biggest island after Crete, homes have been destroyed, and also a monastery was surrounded by fire. And because of the rolling hills and low visibility, it's been really difficult to put the fires out. State media in North Korea say heavy rain and flooding has destroyed more than a 1,000 homes and large areas of farmland. The damage to agricultural land is a serious concern in a country which has a history of famines. The BBC's Laura Bicker reports from Seoul. Korean Central Television aired footage of swollen rivers and flooded homes. It also announced that agricultural fields were deluged with flood water. This is a huge concern, as leader Kim Jong-un has already admitted the country is suffering from food shortages, partly caused by a series of natural disasters last year which hit vital crops. This year, part of the country has also suffered from a blistering heatwave. In a briefing to lawmakers, South Korea's intelligence chief reportedly said the drought conditions had claimed livestock and human lives. The U.S. government is planning to change emission control regulations for new cars and trucks to boost fuel efficiency. The move would reverse legislation introduced when Donald Trump was in office. President Biden said it was part of an ambitious plan to phase out non-electric vehicles. I'm following through on the campaign commitment to reverse the previous administration's short-sighted rollback of vehicle emissions and efficiency standards with the support of the automobile industry. I'm signing an executive order setting out a target of 50% of all passenger vehicles sold by 2030 will be electric. The United States has called on Iran to resume nuclear talks after the newly inaugurated president, Ibrahim Raisi, indicated support for diplomatic efforts to end the deadlock. At his swearing-in ceremony in Tehran, Mr Raisi said he'd back any diplomatic plan to end US sanctions. But he added that the effort to force Iran to abandon its nuclear research had failed. Efforts to revive the 2015 nuclear accord ground to a halt following months of discussions in Vienna. 
The tech giant Apple says it will help combat child sexual abuse by introducing a system to scan for images of exploitation on iPhones used in the United States. Apple said the system had been designed to protect user privacy. The BBC's Helena Wilkinson reports. The new software will be able to search users' photos on iPhones for matches with known images of child sexual abuse. The scanning will take place before photos are uploaded to the online storage system iCloud. Apple is also going to introduce technology which will actively search for sexually explicit photos in its messaging service iMessage. Some security experts have raised concerns that the system could be expanded to scan phones for other content. Scientists have identified a series of genetic signals that influence the timing of the menopause. Researchers from Cambridge, Exeter and Copenhagen universities scanned the genes of more than 200,000 women from around the world. They say the findings could help identify why some women experience the menopause early and also improve infertility treatments. Dr Anna Murray is a senior author of the study. Women experience natural infertility probably around 10 years before they go through menopause. So to be able to give women more information about when they're likely to have menopause will enable them to make informed reproductive choices much earlier. The American news network CNN is reported to have dismissed three employees for coming to work without being vaccinated in violation of the company's safety protocols. It's believed to be one of the first known examples of a major American corporation dismissing workers for ignoring a workplace vaccination mandate. Many large companies, including Facebook and Google, have said they will require employees to be vaccinated against the virus when offices fully reopen in the coming months. Venezuela will issue new banknotes next month for its currency, the Bolivar, with six zeros taken off. The economy has endured years of hyperinflation and recession. Prices rose by close to 300% in the first five months of this year. Venezuela's central bank said the Bolivar's value would not change, but dividing the amount on each banknote by a million would simplify transactions. Currencies, the US dollar is trading at 109.82 yen. The euro is standing at one US dollar and 18 cents, and the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 82 cents. And now the sports news. Here's Todd Harding. We start at the Olympic Games in Tokyo, where day 13 saw Hong Kong win two bronze medals. Grace Lau in karate and the women's table tennis trio of Minnie Su, Du Hoi Kem and Lee Ho Ching in the team event. But Hong Kong's top cyclist, Sarah Lee, was unable to add to the SAR's medal tally in the women's Kirin, where she came up short in the semi-finals. She'll be looking to do better in today's sprint qualifying, where her and her teammate Jessica Lee will start racing in just over an hour's time. Also competing for Hong Kong today is Ching Siu Nga in the women's 20-kilometre walk and Tiffany Chan in the third round of the golf. Lots of other great action to look forward to on day 14 of the Tokyo Games as we hear from the BBC's Sarah Mulcairins. Well, there's so much to look out for on day 14 of the Olympic Games and let's start with the action on the track because we have two brilliant women in action. First off, let's talk Alison Felix because she is going in the women's 400 metres final. This is her fifth Olympic Games. She's been out of every edition since 2004. She has six gold medals. She has nine in total from the Olympics and she is looking to match that record of 10 
set by Carl Lewis. So she's going to be going in the 400 metres final. Uh, look out for Bahamas, Shauna Miller-Webo going in that. She's the defending champion from Rio, but there are some injury concerns for her. Also looking to make history is the Dutch runner Sifan Hassan. She has already won gold in the 5,000 metres. She's going for gold in the 1,500 metres. She also is going to have the 10,000 metres to come. She's looking for an unprecedented treble in the distance events. Elsewhere, we're also going to have the women's hockey final. That is going to be between the Netherlands and Argentina. This is the fifth consecutive Olympic final that the World and European Champions champions the Netherlands are in and after losing to Great Britain five years ago in dramatic uh, scenes they will surely be gunning for that gold medal on day 14. Away from the Olympics one of the biggest stars in world football Lionel Messi is leaving Barcelona the club where he spent his entire career. He joined Barca when he was just 13 and is the club's all-time top scorer with 672 goals. The BBC's John Bennett has the story. Barcelona say Lionel Messi is leaving despite both parties having reached an agreement over a new contract and being poised to sign it on Thursday. He'd been a free agent since the 1st of July when his last contract expired and a new deal had been agreed with the club two weeks later on reduced wages. But it was dependent on Barca selling players to afford his salary. That was because La Liga said the club had to reduce wages before Messi or any other new players could be registered in order to stay within their financial fair play regulations. This hasn't happened and Barca say in their statement that Messi won't be staying at the club because of financial and structural obstacles. One of the frontrunners to sign Lionel Messi, Manchester City, have bought the English midfielder Jack Grealish for a record-breaking fee. They've paid Aston Villa US$140 million, US dollars, the highest ever figure for a transfer in the Premier League. Grealish has signed a six-year contract. City have confirmed Grealish will wear the number 10 shirt, which was recently vacated by the departure to Barcelona of long-serving striker Sergio Aguero. And that's our look at sports. To cricket, India captain Virat Kohli was out for naught first ball as his side collapsed to 112 for four in the first test at Trent Bridge, with England great James Anderson taking two wickets in two balls after lunch on yesterday's second day. India had been in complete command at 97 without loss in reply to England's first innings of 183, only for Rohit Sharma to get out on 36 to what became the last ball before lunch. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 26,215, four points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $84 billion. Uh, the weather will be cloudy with occasional showers and equal squally thunderstorms and a maximum temperature of about 30 degrees. The outlook is occasional showers and squally thunderstorms tomorrow, sunny periods and a few showers on Sunday. And to end the news, the top stories once again. Seven members of the University of Hong Kong's legislative body urge Hong Kong U's governing council to withdraw a campus ban on students who attended a controversial meeting. The foreign ministry accuses Washington of trying to stigmatise the mainland after it announces a safe haven policy for Hong Kong people. And the chief secretary vows to leave no stone unturned to weed out any loyalist imposters as a panel he chairs vets potential candidates for upcoming polls. And you're listening to the news on RTHK.
afternoon and welcome to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Friday afternoon. Friday the 6th of August is today's date. Many thanks once again to Phil Whelan for the morning brew today. We have quite a busy program for you. We're starting today's show with a bit of sports today. We're going to kickstart today's program with this week's Olympic Spotlight with Cece Radford. And this week, Cece shines a light on Jessica Ching, who's Hong Kong's first female Olympic representative in race walking. And it's one of two Hong Kong athletes competing in the athletics category. Jessica qualified for the Games based on her world ranking, and she's hoping to push herself to achieve her personal best. And Cece also had a chat with Jessica's training partner, Alpha, before the race walking uh, session at Happy Valley and Jessica's event is actually this afternoon at 3.30 so we wish her the best of luck so stay tuned for Cece's feature in about 10 minutes or so and after the 2 o'clock news Cruzy McCalligan joins us for our end of the week audio column uh, since I was off on Wednesday so we didn't have a midweek audio column but uh, I'm back <laughs> so we thought we'd have the end of the week column uh, this afternoon just after the 2.30 news and this week Cruz will be talking about self esteem and we welcome you to weigh in. Feel free